Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the fortnightly podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. Each week, we spend some time catching up on what we've been up to recently, which at the moment isn't too much. Um, And then we go on to share some things that we've been loving and we think you guys should all check out. Then in the second half, we will discuss a topic that we think is really relevant to right now and something that can help us to grow a bit more. So how has your last couple of weeks been, my love? Oh, hasn't it flown by? Oh my God, so much so. (laughs) Literally, we were having a discussion before we recorded that we actually thought we had another week before the next episode was due, which is madness. But um, I feel like I've hit full Christmas mode. The last two weeks, it -hmm. has absolutely happened. Today, we put up the Christmas lights and uh, the advent calendars are out and ready. We've got a mini light switch on just for our house, obviously, planned for this Thursday on Thanksgiving. Um, The weather has been nice today. We've been out for lots of walks. Uh, I've been really busy with work, but it's so much easier when the weather's nice. I feel like it's, you have a much better kind of, you're more motivated to get out because it gets dark so early that you've got to make the most of when it is light. Um, I feel like it's just literally Christmas is pulling me through lockdown, like, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Yeah, for sure. I've got really into mulled wine. Um, I yes. discovered last weekend. I always thought I hated it. And I think I've just had really bad mulled wine in the past. Um, and then for some reason, it, no, it was you. You were completely responsible for this. <laughs> you put it on your story. <laughs> you were having mulled wine. And then I walked into Tesco and they had mulled wine at the end of the aisle. And I was like, well, who am I to argue with the universe? You know, and um, it's really nice really nice yeah the key is to not cook it for too long because then you cook off the alcohol I think that's the thing that I've done in the past and apparently when you do that you also make the spices really bitter and I think that's why I think I don't like it so I've been really enjoying drinking that um we've got all of our like Christmas diffusers and candles and next weekend I'm gonna put up our fake tree we're being really bougie and having two trees only because (laughs) But no, there's a really good reason for it. There is a good reason. Our, in my old flat, our flat was really, really small. So we could only have like a tiny, skinny Christmas tree. Um, so I still have that. But then we were thinking of putting that in the living room. But we were like, it will look really weird because our living room here is a lot bigger. And I was like, mm, so we're going to get a real tree for the front room. And I'm going to put the Christmas tree in the office because this is where I spend most of my time. <laughs> I mean, so. you might as well. Well, exactly. And I'm like, let's be honest, if there's a year where we need two Christmas trees, I mean, why the hell not? I mean, have you, ever, have you been to my parents at Christmas? Have you ever, I don't know, but I'm there's sure several trees throughout the house, usually. I, I don't think I ever have. I think I've always really wanted to, because your mum's Christmas tree is like my inspiration for life. Um, but I don't think I've ever actually... <laughs> the real thing I think I would really remember it so she has another Christmas tree which is made entirely of purple baubles and it lights up and I think it's about 10 foot tall oh my so God. that's in the other room so she's got that one and then we have the real one as well which is in the hallway which is also unnecessarily large but that's why I love it but, um, it's amazing your Christmas tree is the best thing ever oh the update I do have though because of the recommendations last week you recommended the uh chocolate orange hot chocolate from Sainsbury's and I did go and get it and it is game changing for someone as well I should like caveat this with I don't really like Terry's chocolate orange I've never been a huge fan of chocolate flavored orange but this is just 
it does taste like orange, but it's subtle enough that it just tastes like a little bit of extra like spice or flavoring. I don't yeah. know. I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. I have like 10 out of 10 on that recommendation. How it just, I had one today as well. I couldn't resist. I actually got an extra one in my food shop this week. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to run out closer to Christmas. And I quite frankly don't know what I would do. Because um, it's, it's a pretty much a staple in my diet at this point. <laughs> Oh, well, now I've discovered how good Sainsbury's is for like plant-based, vegan, really vegetarian good. like placements. I I bought so, I bought two vegan cheese boards. Two. I need you to report back on this because I am the one thing that I'm going to really miss this Christmas is a cheese board. But as someone who is also lactose intolerant, it's just not worth it. Like you share my pain with this it's just not worth it so I've started to collate a few cheeses that might work on a vegan cheese board so please do report back I mean we have very like different tactics on this because I also have the the same affliction um with lactose (laughs) but my general like strategy is if I'm at home all day the next day after I've had it then that's okay (laughs) so I'm fully (laughs) intending to have a legit cheese board as well as the vegan cheese board over Christmas only only on the day when I know I will not be leaving the house the following day though <laughs> this is the reality <laughs> of it, isn't it like I just want yeah. and if, if anyone listening has an idea for this please please tell me I am desperate for a vegan brie or camembert not too fussy which one that isn't made from cashews all of them seem to be made from cashews and I have a severe nut allergy so that ain't happening I cannot find one. If anyone has any recommendations, please, please let me know. <laughs> I would also be interested in that. I would love to hear. Oh, that's the thing I miss the most, the soft cheeses, because they yeah. are the real, like, danger zone for me. And I've I've not actually had a soft cheese in probably over a year now, because that mm. one's just not worth the risk, even if I am at home the next day. No. Anyway, this is going far too much into my... Um, oh, we've discussed IVF a little habit. bit too much, probably. <laughs> Um, do why don't you tell me your first recommendation and we can swiftly move this on <laughs> so it's a movie called ready or not and I watched it on the plane on the way back from Australia another one from that backlog and it actually got really good reviews it's got like 88 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and I'd never heard of it which is why I was really surprised but it's kind of a um horror thriller um so I thought why not gave it a go on the plane you know got the time um <laughs> And it's, I wouldn't quite say it's horror because it didn't scare me at any point, but it was just like unbelievably like shocking and ridiculous. And basically it revolves around this woman, Grace, who she's married, basically the man of her dreams. He's amazing. And he's, but he's from a very well-off family. His family has this huge estate and she gets married there and it starts at the wedding And you can tell she feels a bit out of place. Everyone there is very well off, very upper class. And then the evening of the wedding, she basically gets inducted into the family. And they have this weird family tradition where because the family is well off because they own a games company, she has to like essentially draw out of the hat to play a game on her wedding night. And they all play it as a family together, except that there's one game that if it gets drawn, it has to be played out like like in real terms I'm not explaining this very well basically that game is hide and seek so Mm. if anyone draws the game hide and seek out um the family essentially grab guns bows arrows and other weapons and the bride has to hide and if she survives until dawn then she can stay in the family but the family have this kind of weird belief that they if they don't kill the bride then they're going to be cursed so what is what starts off as this really kind of lavish, beautiful, very normal, if very fancy wedding, um, becomes into this like desperate survival for her to try and get through the night and find a way to turn the tables on her on her relatives. And it's I mean, it's almost comical how ridiculous it is, but it's so well done and it's so shocking. And it kind of reminds me of by the end of it, you know, the scene of Cat and Carrie where she's covered in blood. Nope. <laughs> um, but it, it really reminded me of that. Um, 
I don't, it's not a jumpy horror. It's not a scary, scary horror. It's just a really like well done story that I think is a really interesting um, thriller. So I, I definitely recommend giving that a watch if you're in the market for an easygoing horror. I don't know if that exists, but I'm making it. <laughs> I mean, I normally love your movie recommendations. I am going to sit that one out because, you know, I'm scared of everything. Fair enough. Um, I just, I feel like it's one of those ones that, like when I was younger, like a teenager, you'd have a sleepover and you'd all watch it together and you'd all be like giggling and laughing. Like it, it felt like that kind of thing. Okay. Mm. I'm I'm not I'm not totally convinced, but I'm sure it's a very good movie, just not one. I mean, we're not having any sleepovers anytime soon, so I guess it's off the list. <laughs> no, oh, that's not, isn't it? <laughs> What's your first recommendation this week? Okay, so I have very, very briefly mentioned this a few weeks ago, but when I did I hadn't seen it. Um, and it is A Life on Our Planet, the latest David Attenborough documentary. It's currently available on Netflix. Um, and we watched it last Saturday night and we have not stopped thinking and talking about it since. I know that when it was launched, a lot of people were like, oh, it's not like the cute and cuddly, if that's the right way to describe it, David Attenborough that you're used to. Um, it's very much his witness statement. Mm. Really interesting about his whole career and his whole life but he documents all the changes he's seen in that lifetime and he counts like the population increases combined with the wildness decreases. Um, and it isn't like, it isn't a light hearted watch by any stretch of the imagination, but it is such an important watch. And actually it isn't as eco anxiety inducing as I thought it would be because the way they've done it is that they've very clearly outlined the current situation the risk that is posed and what the planet could look like in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years if we don't do make some serious changes. But they end it on a note of, but this is what it could look like if we do start making changes and we hold ourselves and big businesses accountable. And he shares in it really pretty straightforward ways that we can all make changes. And it isn't just like use a reusable water bottle and stuff like that. Like they're he's really clear about how they play into that bigger picture and things that I've definitely never considered before, like how if we keep young girls in education, we get to population peak sooner. And the sooner we get to a population peak, the sooner um, it will start to flatten and the impact that has on the environment. So there are so many different factors here. And it's had a really big impact on us we're currently looking at how we change all of our banking over to a sustainable bank and one that is more ethical and doesn't invest in fossil fuels or anything like that um and I, I just implore everyone who has access to Netflix to go and watch this like you're not gonna you're not gonna feel on top of the world when you finish it but you're gonna feel empowered and I've consumed a lot of material about the environment and the climate crisis over the years but by far this is one of the most powerful things I've seen um and there is hope like there is serious hope that we can make the changes and that we will be we will create a better world I, I just can't recommend it enough and it kind of feels like his final plea like the guy's what 93 94 like I'm sure I'm sure he'd love to retire <laughs> And it's kind of him saying, look, in the past nearly 100 years, this is what I've seen. And this is what we need to do. So I'd, I'd 100% recommend. Have you seen it? Did you watch it? No, I've been meaning to watch it. It's on my like to watch list on Netflix. I didn't realise that it had so many like actionable yeah. things in it like, like that. I think that's such a good way to do it because that's the thing. I mean... Yes, there's, like you said, there's a reusable water bottle, there's using Tupperware, there's taking your own shopping bags. But I think it can sometimes feel really difficult for people to see that bigger picture yeah. and what the impact is. And having someone who's that much of an authority figure saying, this is what will happen if you do this, that's so powerful. It makes you realise that the world you want to live in as well. Like, I want to live in that positive world that he's described. And the possibilities it holds, the positivity it holds, the incredible things we can do. To be perfectly blunt, and we had this discussion, it makes me not, it makes me definitely reconsider whether or not I would want to have children if we're down the other tra trajectory. Um, it's yeah. really powerful. And I, 
I completely acknowledge that eco-anxiety is a thing and I know it's something I've suffered with in the past and do on off like Jesus like if like, I can feel guilty for anything I can definitely feel guilty for that but this is more this empowers you I really think it's more empowering because this is why we put it off for so long so we don't think we really have the stomach to be to feel crap and actually that's not how we felt at all um so yeah there you go (laughs) it's really interesting what you said there about the banking it's just reminded me so last week someone who I follow on Instagram who lives in Australia she was sharing that she was I think maybe she had even watched watched it as well I'm not sure what prompted it but basically she was when you live in Australia and you work there you you're what what is called the pension in the UK like your pension fund is called a superannuation and it's it works in a similar way but you basically obviously your money goes in there and then the super fund invests it for you and that's what makes you money and that becomes your retirement fund so she had basically looked into her super fund and realized that it was going directly towards funding um the like fossil fuel industry Mm. and she was really uncomfortable with that and she was like how many people actually look into this and it was something that I had never ever considered before like when you invest when when you have like a investment portfolio but you're not the one that's directly controlling it where does that money go to and I think if you have some sort of fund or whatever your bank is I think knowing what your bank supports is something that was completely off my radar, but actually, yeah, you're right. Like those are the, those are the companies with money. They're the ones having a big impact on the environment in that way with, with their money. So why, I don't know why I'd never considered it before, but I mean, why would you? And now I realize that it's actually, yeah, something that definitely more people need to be aware of. For sure. And it would be a really good thing for us to come back to and discuss at a later point I think because it's something really interesting that I was never really aware of um I believe Starling Bank are one of the more ethical banks and it's one of the ones I'm looking into um oh I'm with I thought my personal and my business account is with yeah them. I thought it was um so that's one of the ones I'm looking into but it it takes a lot of research it takes a lot of time and I, I get that not everyone can or wants to do that but for us, it was like, that's like a quite an actionable thing we could do. Switching your bank accounts nowadays is so easy. Like I've done it before. There's no drama. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly like a millionaire rolling in it, but also it makes a difference and it, it's a statement, isn't it? That's the thing at the end of the day. So there we go. That is my first recommendation, but tell me what else you've been enjoying in the past couple of weeks. Well, I feel like yours are very serious and important and mine are (laughs) horror movies and alcohol we need balance in life that's today's topic this this is a perfect example of balance (laughs) so my second recommendation is um a subscription service called beer 52 and it is a craft beer subscription um and we've just recently discovered it and i've been really impressed we've had our first delivery and it costs 24 pounds a month and you get eight beers and they're all in independent local craft breweries um a lot of them are in the UK but not all of them I think this batch that we got um I think five of them were from the UK and then three of them were um I think one was from New Zealand one was from Poland and the other one was from Ireland I think um but yeah for the for the price what 24 pounds a month you're looking at what three three ish pounds a bottle or a can they come in various different if I work that out right yeah I think so yeah yeah which I mean I would pay that anyway yeah. for beers individually so that's a couple of craft beers a, a weekend for a month so I think it's well worth the price and you're discovering craft breweries that I, I had no idea existed in the UK like Buxton Brewery I didn't oh, know Buxton had I did a brewery um and I've been several times and I've never been to the brewery so Um, but I just really like that it's a way to kind of enjoy those local businesses I'd rather buy and have craft beers from local breweries or from independent breweries as opposed to just buying a box of Budweiser at a supermarket or whatever other brands are available but um, 
No, I think it's really clever and you get it delivered to your door. When you sign up as well, you can get £10 off your Ooh. first delivery. So your first one will actually be £14. That's such a good idea because that's exactly what me and Alex look for. Because we, when we go to the, well, not now, obviously, but normally when we go to the supermarket, we just put, we pick up like a couple of beers that basically have cool packaging. Um, but like we, we go for a couple, we haven't tried before, we love to get a variety in because it's just fun to try different beers like we're yeah. big drinkers we prefer to like enjoy the alcohol we're actually drinking um so something like that is so cool because it makes it into quite a fun activity like you could definitely do like a zoom situation where like you and a couple of friends all order it and you could do like a beer tasting on zoom with something like that yeah and I mean it's you can still kind of select what you want as well so I think they have like a golden subscription so that would be more lagers and ales and then you can get like a hoppy one so if you want more like the mix with the the stronger more hoppy ones or you can you can basically select the type of beer so you, you don't have to worry about getting one that you're just not going to like everything in yeah there. um you can kind of still like specialize it. and then it's similar to other subscriptions as well um because this is how I came across it someone after they'd had it for like two two months or whatever they got a, a free subscription box so we used that one to get our first one for free and then now well, now we're gonna keep going I think so nice yeah. idea isn't it? I've been really impressed with it fun yeah um what's your second recommendation it's a book and I'm so excited to share this with you because I you might have actually already read it um but if not I think you would love it it's called The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett have you read it I've not read it but I've heard of it so it came up on my goodreads or my kindle recommended um and it sounded quite interesting so I downloaded it and I was hooked like it's very rare that I'm completely absorbed by a book but it's kind of an intergenerational family drama I feel like that's like a genre in itself um and it's set between the 1950s and kind of like the mid 90s in America it starts in like a small southern town and it also incorporates like Boston New Orleans and California and it follows the lives of two sisters who at the age of 16 run away Um, And then their lives basically split and go in very different directions. And one of the daughters um, is living like she has a daughter and she goes back home and carries on with her life. But the other daughter who the other sister, sorry, um, goes and lives her life as a white woman, even though she is a black woman. And it's the it's so interesting. Um, And there are because it spans such a long time period as well there are so many other stories that are incorporated and it really looks at all those different instances in life and like the duality of life and how like different perceptions of right and wrong and which anyone who's listened to one of my book reviews before will know I love that kind of thing and I think sometimes you read a book and you know that the characters and the story are going to stay with you for a really long time that's how I feel about this book it was just so beautifully written the characters are just so I don't know there's so much to them like they're really well developed characters and you really feel like you get to know them and I just I cannot recommend it enough like I I really think you'd enjoy it that sounds amazing and I love those like multi-generational books that just span such a long time period like I think when you when you're you almost feel like part of their character development because you're so invested because it's over such a long time span that makes sense yeah and it's nice because you really see how things that happen earlier in the book play into how people behave later in the book and how it influences their daughter's lives and all of those kinds of things and it's just it's just so interesting like it really feels like you're getting an insight into someone else's world and um I just I just can't recommend it enough I think it's probably one of my favorite books of the year it's up there with everything I never told you um oh yeah that's a big one that's a like the kind of book where you're like, I'm just going to read one more page, just one more page, then I'll go to sleep. I've not read a book like that for ages. Yeah. I've, I almost texted you when I finished it and I was like, no, I'm going to save it for the podcast. But seriously, go and check that out because it's just brilliant. And now I really want to read some of her other things as well. Her other book, I think it's called The Mothers. Sounds really interesting. Oh, I think that's the one. That's why I know her name. Yes, that, like that was her debut, I think, um, and it's quite well known. Um, and it's a similar thing, like it's over several decades and it follows some people throughout their life. So that sounds really interesting. Very nice. I'm going to have to look it up. I'll put it on my to, to read list next. 
Oh, put it in your Goodreads. You know I love a Goodreads account. Shall we move on to this week's topic? Yes. So this week we wanted to discuss finding balance or maintaining balance during what is obviously a very uncertain time. And I know that we say that every week, but it is for everyone. And I think now more than ever, when we are living, working, eating, exercising, socializing within the same four walls, week in, week out, it can be really difficult to have a balance, not just between your work-life balance, but balancing time for you, balancing time to exercise, like all of those different things that you kind of took for granted that you would have the time and the space to do. It's obviously now happening in a very closely confined space for most of us. And I think it's really important for us to chat about maintaining that balance, what we're trying to do to maintain it, and just why that's important. Because, I mean, it's that classic thing, isn't it, of when people work from home, oh, I'll just do an extra half an hour, and then all of a sudden it's 8pm and you've not eaten and you've not exercised and you've not spoken to another human all day. And I think that's what the balance is. It's combining all of those things and making sure you're still looking after yourself and having a healthy lifestyle as much as you can even though obviously this is completely unprecedented and not like anything we've experienced before yeah for sure I think there's something I've definitely felt has slipped more during this lockdown and just kind of this autumn generally I think like it's been such a such an intense year such a tiring year that it's hard to keep things up and in the first lockdown I feel like we had that camaraderie and that like we're all in this together spirit so Right, it's easy yeah. to find balance because we're we're busy and we're like, okay, we'll go out for a nice walk because the weather's lovely or we'll do this online exercise class. And as we've kind of transitioned back into a more lockdown state, I feel as though it is exactly what you were just saying. I'm like, I'll just answer one more email and that turns into two more. And then I'm like, oh, actually, I'll just I'll just fill that out because that'll be quick. And I'll, I'll just quickly do that because no one else online, it's quiet. And then you look at the clock and you're like, well, there we go, that I'm not even close to working my hours today. Um, And then you're kind of like, well, I'm now too tired to do this, or I'm too tired to do that, or I don't have time to do something else. And I just think, I feel like a life is a quest to be balanced. Like, that sounds a bit like cringy, but, and it doesn't actually really make grammatical sense. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, we always, at different times in your life, you have to try and find a different balance. Like, it's not always going to be the same thing. Um, But definitely at the moment I think a lot of us are finding that there's just like a blurring of the lines like evenings aren't clearly defined weekends aren't really clearly defined and taking time just for yourself can feel quite difficult to do stuff that nourishes you not just like scrolling yeah because I mean I think that's the thing isn't it when you think about it this year like most of us or a lot of us have not taken a holiday Or we've not had as many, I don't know, long weekends off or, I don't know, you know, just when you're at work, you you use your holiday time. Whereas I feel like a lot of people aren't taking the holiday or the annual leave from work because they're like, oh, what's the point? Mm -hmm. What am I using it for? And when you think about it, when was the last time that you worked for eight, nine months in a row without actually taking a holiday? Like that's, that's not healthy. And I think it goes the same way for socializing. Like, when you're not seeing other human beings for weekends, like what you'd see people every weekend usually, and you're not seeing other humans for weeks and weeks and weeks, that's not, that's not a normal way of being. That's not, that's not how we're supposed to live. And I think that's where the balance has been lost because people are like, Oh, I might as well just carry on working or I might as well just carry on what I'm doing. But all of those things, like you said, nourish you and they give you that well-rounded life. There's, it's difficult because there's not really the, there is the opportunity, but you really have to set the time aside for it and seek it out because it's not as straightforward as it was. For sure. And I don't know about you, but for me in the first lockdown, um, I found exercise to be such like a respite of time when I wouldn't be worrying about COVID. I wouldn't be worrying about work. I would be doing something fun that made me feel great. Whereas this time around, it's dark by 4 p.m., So unless you're out at 7am for a walk, you're not really getting any daylight. And then in the evenings when I finish, like I'm just exhausted. And I think 
especially now like for so many people this time of year is busier at work as you head into Christmas um as you head into like Black Friday and stuff like that so it is so busy and that coupled with the fact that it's not all that appealing to go out for a run when it's dark and raining like (laughs) that ain't my vibe (laughs) I'm a fair weather runner at best um and so that's harder as well because you can't even necessarily rely on all the things that gave you better balance last time yeah I totally agree I think I mean we when we talk about finding balance in life it does always come back down to work and I think maybe that's that's the issue especially if people aren't feeling fulfilled at work or I mean working in the same place doing the exact same thing by yourself every day Mm -hmm. like even if you have a job that you really would enjoy usually when you're in the office it's not the same when you're at home you're not having that social aspect of work you're not getting that chance to go out for lunch or meet up with someone like there's so many kind of facets of it that you don't realize like that you took for granted and you don't realize you miss and then now all of a sudden you're not that they're just not there anymore so I think I don't know I mean we've spoken about boundaries before but I almost feel like finding balance is not is not better time management it's more about better boundary management sure like like setting what I find really helps me is I really time block everything I even time block my downtime which might sound like counterintuitive but like we're recording on a Sunday and I had to do some work this morning I mean that's just life now for me I guess like I work for myself so that's gonna have to happen sometimes but because of that, I'd put in my diary, 4pm, I spend an hour with family, and then 5pm recording the podcast. These are the things I enjoy doing, and I look forward to doing. And because of that, I make sure they're in my diary, and I put the time in. And then they just become non negotiables. And I think time blocking really helps me with that, because it does set those boundaries. I'm not being paid for the overtime. Like, you know that you get what I mean. Totally. And I think, so many of us have worked so so hard in this time and given more whether it's hours or just emotionally given more and a few weeks that you said to me like I only get paid for x number of hours I need to stick to x number of hours and it's really rung true in my head and actually since you said that I've been doing more time blocking and every evening I'm just trying to find one nice thing to do it doesn't have to be anything crazy it can be like oh I'm gonna have a glass of mulled wine while I watch I'm a celeb or oh, actually tonight I'm going to have a really nice shower and do a face mask, like small things, but things that are put in my diary almost and then non-negotiable. Because if I have something to go and do at 5.30, like record the podcast or I know I need to write a blog post or go and do something nice, it's then I know that by not getting myself logged off at work, I'm not doing that other thing. And it's been really helpful. And like this week, Alex managed to get home from work early, which never, like he's normally gets in about 8pm. He got in at 6pm. I was so shocked. I actually checked he was okay. I thought he'd been sent home from work early. Um, <laughs> but that That's the reality. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, like I, I've got work to do. And then I was like, actually, we never get this kind of time in the evenings, like ever. And I was like, why why shouldn't I spend that with him? Like, sure, maybe on Saturday morning, I'll have to get up and write my blog post. But that'll be a nice thing to do on Saturday morning. Like, why am I putting the pressure on myself to do everything right now when I could just enjoy the moment? Because let's be honest, there are pretty few moments right now that are that great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I saw something, I really wish I could remember who had posted it, because I can't take credit for this. But I read something last week. basically said there are times in your life where you have to work longer Mm -hmm. hours you have to work overtime you have to do something you don't necessarily enjoy like that happens that's fine but it said if you look back at the end of every at the end of a month and you regret how you've spent your time then you probably need to reevaluate your life balance and I that really struck a chord with me because I thought if I get to the end of the month and I've been pulling like I don't know, 50 hour weeks where I've been absolutely packing my weekends in with all this work that I'm trying to do. I know I'm going to get to the end of the month and I'm going to regret that I did not spend that time, especially in the run up to Christmas and when I am living at home with my parents at the moment, 
I know that when I leave again, I'll regret not having spent that time with my parents and with Taylor and enjoying Christmas yeah. at home. And I think that really just put things in perspective for me. But if it's some, if it's not something that's urgent and it's not kind of imminently, I don't know, if your life does not depend on it, you can probably do it the next day. Yeah. Like it's not worth. I'm really trying to get into the, like the process of asking myself, is this important or is it critical? Because there is a difference. And some, like you said, sometimes you'll have to work late. Sometimes you will have to sort bigger problems out. But I think we particularly, I can't tell you how many people have sent this to me in the past week to a point where I'm like, do I give out a vibe that says that I have no balance? Um, possibly. <laughs> um, but it's the one that's been doing the rounds. It's like a Twitter caption. Again, I can't remember the woman whose name it is. Sorry. Um, but it basically says that we need to stop glamorizing burnout we've got to stop glamorizing overworking making ourselves ill giving ourselves like insomnia and never giving ourselves a break and having to be productive 24 7 because that's not a that is not a happy and productive like not productive but happy and positive lifestyle like we've and I know we've discussed this before that we really praise that almost like giving everything give 100% to everything lifestyle naturally you're not whether it's your work, whether it's giving your time to other people, like the world will not stop spinning if you give yourself more time, if you prevent that burnout, if you save a bit of energy back for yourself. Yeah. Like that was proved to me when I was ill. Like the world doesn't actually stop spinning. Sure, you might have to pick up a few plates that have dropped, but it's not like it's not a disaster zone. And your mental and physical well-being are more important. And I don't think you're ever going to get balance of like, I work 50% of my week and I relax for 50% of my week. But it's about find, like you said, it's exactly that thing of like, okay, but there are two hours or three hours you spent this evening sitting outside of your family and then recording the podcast have just as much value to you as the five hours you spent working. Yeah, I think, and also that's a really good point as well. If balance for you is taking 10 minutes to meditate on your lunch break or go out for a quick walk at lunchtime. Or even if it is going out for a run when it's dark in the evening, maybe you prefer that. Like everyone's version of balance looks different, but I think it's kind of recognizing what you need to be balanced before it's, before it's too late and you are like on the verge of burnout. Yeah. Because once you're at that point, it's so much harder to come back from. Yeah. And I, I know what really helps for me and I've noticed it more now because this is actually the first time I've ever done it. But having a set workspace yes. has literally changed working from home for me. Because when I was doing it, I didn't do it so much when I was in Oxford because I was mostly office based. But when I did, there was nowhere for me to work. So I worked in my bedroom. And then the same thing happened again in Australia. I worked in the kitchen or in my bedroom. There was no other space for me to work. And I just, those spaces sounds so like wishy-washy but they almost became like a negative space for me to be in because I associate them with work and now now I have this desk space and I recognize that that's totally a privilege not everyone has the space for that but even if you establish a routine for yourself like if five five thirty you shut your laptop and you put it in a different room from you or you put it in the Mm. cupboard like whatever significant cutoff that is for you I really think you have to like set a time and stick to it or have that routine and stick to it because that's how the lines do get really blurred and you end up all of a sudden you've not had dinner and you've not been outside all day and it's 9 p.m and you're still on your email yeah totally like if you can't get yourself a workspace just putting your laptop away putting your phone away turning off notifications like giving yourself a chance to be able to have the boundary even if you aren't in a position to have like a full workspace because I can completely relate to that in my old place like I would work in our living room but our living room and our dining room were open plan so you kind of sit there watching tv in the evening and you can just see your laptop sitting there and you're like oh I know I've got a few more bits I could do and it all blurs into one and I think if you can just mentally put something away out of it's very much out of sight out of mind like it really helps then if you're working out in your living room or if you're just watching tv or you're eating dinner you're not getting that physical reminder of when you were last sitting in that seat 
yeah I think maybe that's it maybe I feel like balance is you have to make choices like balance is about making choices but then like kind of thrive thriving off and enjoying those choices that you've made like it's not just doing something for the sake of doing it you're actually doing it to it's for your own mental well-being like you said earlier if it is having some mulled wine and watching I'm a celeb or if it is going out for a run or reading your favorite book or I think it's a lot easier to make that choice that you're going to stop working or you're going to take a lunch break or whatever it is set those boundaries and give yourself something to look forward to so that almost reinforces them totally and I think it's as well about being flexible with that because like you said like you've had to do work today but there will probably be times in the next however many well whenever we're allowed to travel again where you will take a morning off to explore somewhere you're staying it's not saying every yeah. single Sunday you're going to work at least five hours and it's about going actually could I do that thing now does it free me up later it doesn't have to be a case of I only work between nine and five thirty Monday to Friday I do not do like you can't be that inflexible in life but I think there's a difference between saying these are my boundaries and what I'm willing and not willing to do and just walk all over me and I think we need to hold ourselves accountable to that sometimes I'm not particularly good at doing that um but it's something I'm really working on getting better at because it's not something that I think is an attractive trait in someone and it's not something that if my friend was doing it, I wouldn't be like oh my god you're so hard working that's amazing I'd be like dude like get some get some work-life balance yeah and I think it does you saying that just makes me think it does come along with other things and I think I was maybe worse at it when I was working in an office but because I don't know I think if you have really high expectations of yourself but you're also worrying about what other people think Mm. of you you then try and overperform to compensate even though you've got nothing to compensate for but you're almost it's like that permanent like need to have a give a good impression yeah. you're only as good as the last thing you did and that and I, isn't really true yeah and I think maybe that's part of it that like you said going back to the why do we glamorize burnout there's this association that oh if you're if you're pulling these ridiculous hours and only sleeping four hours a night then you, you must be doing it right no you're not doing it right that's that is something I would regret doing like big time like I need sleep yeah, I can't so, that. I've tried it <laughs> I've tried to burn the candle at both ends. And you know what? Everything I do drops in quality. I mean, I've always known, and I'm probably, well, no, I'm not one of the few people because I know there's other people the same, but I never once pulled an all-nighter at uni because of that exact reason. I know I'm I'm pretty much useless after midnight. there's, There's nothing left for me. So I'm far better going to bed earlier and getting up at 6.37 and actually being productive. And I think that's the thing, maybe knowing how you work as well is really important because, again, it goes back to being flexible. If you work better at 5 a.m. in the morning, get up at 5 a.m., but then make sure you log off at 2, a. 2 p.m. or whatever yeah. and keep the balance. Yeah, you've got to work to your own strengths. I think that's the big thing I've learned this year is, like, I always thought, oh, God, I waste so much time. But I don't. I was commuting four hours a day. And that's why I thought I wasn't keeping up or I wasn't working hard enough or doing enough stuff. And when I got that time back, I was like, right, I should be using it in this way. And pretty quickly, I was like, I've been chronically tired for five years, <laughs> which is nothing to some people I know. But actually, if I spent two of those four hours sleeping, the other two of those hours are enjoyed more and they're so much more productive. So I go to bed earlier. I get up an hour later. Do you know what? It's a life-changing thing to not be completely knackered all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And this is off topic. I actually, I'm not going to say I feel old because I don't and I don't want to offend people. But there are certain things that I do now. And I know that five years ago, I could easily go to bed at midnight and get up at 6am and I could function. Now, if I try and do that, I did that the other day because I wanted to go to Sainsbury's early. So I got up at six, went to Sainsbury's for seven, and then I didn't go to bed that night until after midnight. I actually thought I had COVID the next day because I felt so unwell, <laughs> obviously. Oh my God, that's so But this is what I mean, like five, yeah, five, six, seven years ago, 
that amount of sleep would have been fine for me. No issue at all. And then now I'm like, I just know that doesn't work for no. me anymore. So yeah. Do you follow um, Kelsey in London? Yes, I do. I love her. And she has loads of really good recommendations about, like she's been working freelance for years and years and years. And she shared some tips. This was a good few weeks ago now. And there was one that really made my, me laugh. I thought it was a very Aussie thing, which is, I think, why it stuck with me. But she follows a technique called eating the frog. Yes, and yes I love it. Yeah, you do, you do like the worst, worst thing or the least enjoyable thing first thing in the morning. So she said for her, that's usually like the biggest project or the biggest task, but it's the one that pays the bills. It needs doing, it's, it's daunting or it's maybe not enjoyable or it's not as fun. But if she does it first thing in the morning or whenever works for you, whenever you're most productive, it could be the evening, could be the middle of the day, whatever. But getting that out the way first then means all of her other time is flexible to do the things that she enjoys. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing. And now the tasks that I enjoy the least, I start at 8am in the morning and I'm generally done by 11. And then that means all the other jobs that I do that I enjoy a bit more or can be more flexible with or stuff on my own website or whatever, I can just do them in my own time, my own space. And I don't feel guilty about it. And I think that's really important as well, thinking how do you want to structure your day? Because if if you're someone who hates doing big tasks towards the end of the day and then that keeps you up and then you don't get good sleep, it's going to be a vicious cycle. So I think actually really sitting down and evaluating your schedule and what's productive for you is really helpful for having that balance as well. For sure. That's been one of the biggest things for me is realising that not only am I... I've always known I'm more of a morning person, but I work better when I'm not worrying about something bigger like exactly that thing first thing I always look at my diary and go what do I have to do today and just try and get those knocked off the list when I've got the most energy when I'm the most resilient and then for the rest of the day you have that perfect thing of the biggest scariest tasks are done and you have like the adrenaline boost of having got that done you're like yep smashing it great but again like you said you've got more flexibility and actually if it gets to 3 30 and I know 3 3.30 maybe it's a hangover from school days I don't know my concentration drops until about 4 35 p.m but that's the time when I'm much better at doing more creative stuff and kind of being like oh let's do this so, like something that isn't as like technical and detail orientated so I'm like okay let's do that later in the day and then I enjoy both of it more and I don't feel as guilty like if I'm a little less productive for a couple of hours in the afternoon, but I have got everything else done first thing in the morning, I don't have that same guilt of like, oh my God, I'm not working hard because I'm like, well, the biggest, most important things are done. Yeah. I think it sounds really boring to say that this is the answer to finding balance, but I think really analyzing and evaluating your schedule and how you prefer to work is so important because you can't give a hundred percent to everything all the time because if you do five things in a day, that's 500% and that doesn't exist. That's my maths teacher always told me. Um, so you, you you need to really look at your schedule and how you work to find out what your balance is. And I think, I kind of feel like that's the first step. And I definitely, I sometimes think, God, why didn't I figure all of this stuff out earlier? But I, I do think it takes years to really yeah. work out how you work best and different environments to understand where you work better and kind of what what works for you in terms of downtime as well and whether that's exercise or reading a book or listening to music and it's going to keep changing as well I'm pretty sure what I enjoy doing in my spare time when I'm 27 is not going to be the same as when I'm 37 but I guess that's the key to it isn't it that's exciting as well like it means you get interested in different things and you get enjoyment out of different things I think the other thing to remember as well is that, and I know I'm not alone in this, I know you're exactly the same as me, House, and I know a lot of people who listen are similar, in that you want to always do your best, you're a perfectionist, you want to do well, you want to impress people, but you always want to always put your best foot forward. And in doing so, you always want to give 100%, like you were just saying, but actually you're completely entitled, whether you work for yourself, whether you're freelance, whether you work for a big company, whatever, you're completely entitled to have some reserve left for yourself and just living your life. 
If you can give 80% and save 20% back for you and your well-being and your enjoyment, that is completely fine and completely valid. Hell, save back more if you can. Save all you bloody can for yourself because no one's ever going to sit there and be like, on their deathbed, someone said this to me and it really resonated, they're like, no one's going to sit on their deathbed and be like, God, I wish I'd answered more emails. Like, <laughs> that's so true. And I'm like, God, I've, I give so much and I'm, I don't think it's a bad thing to work hard and to want to do well and give your best effort. But sometimes 80% is enough. You don't always have to go the 100% because you can't operate at 100% all the time. It's not possible. And also, you set your bar so high that your minimum acceptable standard is then even higher. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I feel like that's probably a good place to end it for this week. I feel like, yeah, that's a good place to end it. I feel like we've covered a lot about balance. And as ever, like if any of you guys have any tips or piece of advice on how you found more balance or anything like that, please do get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. Um, It means the world when you get in touch and say you're enjoying it and you're finding it useful. So you can always reach out to us on email, which is growthinprogresspod at gmail.com. Or you can contact us on our Instagram, which is at growthinprogresspod. And as always, please do like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that great stuff um, on whichever platform you're listening on, because it really does help other people discover the podcast. And also, it's great to know that you guys are enjoying it as well. Yeah. Um, But in the meantime, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Yep. Sound like a mother. (laughs) And um, well, yeah, you do. But it's because we care. It's it's caring. But yeah, have a good couple of weeks and we will speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.